ready to take a ride, grab your coffee, and strap yourself in. If you listen, I can hear God's plan. Because the show is about to begin. You're listening, you're listening to the Omega Man Radio Network. In Jeremiah chapter 1, then the word of the Lord came into verse uh, 4. It came into me saying, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. And before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified you, I set you apart, and ordained you, a prophet unto the nation. Then I said, our Lord, behold, I cannot speak from a child. But the Lord said to me, say not, I'm a child, for you shall go to all that I send you. And whatsoever I command you, you will speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand, touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, behold, I put my words in your mouth. See, I've set this day, you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, pull down, destroy, throw down, build and plant. So if you talk to a lot of spiritual leaders, everything's about building and planting, but you've got to root out, pull down, destroy, throw down. So if you, if you plant a garden, you can't just put seed there. You have to go in, you have to root out, pull down, destroy, throw down, whatever's in the way, and then cultivate everything and get it ready. For and that's the what the Satanists are trying to do to us with their build back back. That verse that uh, Brother Rodney just read, God woke me up in 2016 via the text of one of the listeners to the program who said, Dr. Erica Shepard's in a great financial need. She either raises money today or she's going to lose her house. And I woke straight up out of bed and I thought, I got to go and get on the air and help my friend. Before I did though, I came up to the office, pulled out my King James Bible. I prayed and I said, God, you have a word for me. Is this what you want me to do? And I opened it up and it fell right open to that. And I thought, that verse, I know it well. 11 years earlier in 2005, I was in Panama running an herbal supplement business. God had blessed. We we're doing extremely well. And from my office on the seventh floor condo that we were renting right there in Paitilla, Panama, right out of my window. In fact, the picture that I just put up on a sub stack the other day shows a casino called the Majestic and the multi-central plaza. That's, that was my view out the window. I could see out in the ocean. You could see barges headed towards the Panama Canal. I was right there in the middle of Panama City. I could see the mall outside my window. I used to go over there and the food court, they had this um, place that served great steak and chicken. Oh man, it was great. Go up there and order it. They bring it over to your table on a hot plate. Steak or chicken. Um, little corn bread to go with it. French fries or mashed potatoes. Oh, man, it was great. Thinking about that now. Mm, good food. <laughs> with uh, some of that little sauce, the green sauce, chimchurri sauce, which is, uh, you'll you find with you know your steaks over there in Central America. Chimchurri. That's what they serve it with. Really good stuff. And uh, I had a big decision to make. 
I was in the uh, Hootia import business. I had a pro- product called Desert Burn Hootia. It was one of the top three Hootia Gordoni supplements in the world when the Hootia craze took off on November 21, 2004 with the debut of a CBS 60 Minutes special with Leslie Stahl reporting from the deserts of South Africa. Having went down there to meet with representatives of Phytofarm, which was a um, hooded growing operation being sponsored by Pfizer, they thought they had found maybe the magic bullet for weight loss in a pill. And as they had done with Viagra, they were going to try to do with weight loss. It was believed that there was a chemical in the Hootia Gordoni plant that they had isolated and called P57 molecule that would send a signal to your brain that you're full when you hadn't eaten. Now, that was a theory. And the, the plant was actually a succulent, looks like a cactus, looks like a cucumber, prickly cucumber. And um, they discovered this in the Kalahari deserts uh, wherein the San Bushman tribes which were hunter-gatherers would go off on hunting expeditions and food is kind of sparse over there at times so they would chew on this uh, cactus-like plant called Hootia Gordoni they would cut off the uh, they'd cut off the little prickly part of it little spine and then they would eat the flesh of this cucumber, if you will, cucumber, and um, chew on it, and it would stave off hunger. Well, that was the, the, the idea. If we could put this in a pill, it could satiate appetite, appetite suppressant. And so God had given me an idea of Hootie Gordoni. I had mentioned in the earlier segment that uh, while as a media buyer, I was also working on a side project for an herbal supplement. And that became a reality. And it was that particular product that fueled my trip. First to Costa Rica, where I ended up staying for a while. I had got out of the media buying business and went into um, herbal formulations and working with this infomercial company to promote this product that we had jointly developed. And... <clears throat> I got paid a royalty check every month, so I had taken this uh, trip. Really, wasn't intending to go to Costa Rica. I was actually headed towards Ecuador, but um, long story short, ended up in Costa Rica. Looked around, I said, "Man, this place is paradise! Oh, paradise!" And I went over there for what was going to be a little two-week uh, mini vacation. Met Tim and Katrina McHyde which would uh, be friends that would introduce me to Benjamin Brooke. And uh, I was staying at a a B&B right there in Escazú and not knowing anybody there other than them. And uh, they they did lend me their friend that was a taxi driver. He took me around and his name was Dennis. We became lifelong friends. Make a long story longer, I was uh, figuring, what can I do here? This is a really nice B&B. They had a pool there, and they fix you breakfast every day, and I met some interesting people there, and I wanted to venture out. I had no idea where I was at. I had lived in Mexico before, but this was really the first other country I'd visited, other than Haiti. And um, 
I started walking one day and walked up this hill and looking for some place to eat and walked into this restaurant bar. It was the middle of the day. There was really nobody there except the proprietor, a Canadian lady. And I got up at the bar, sat on a bar stool, and ordered me a cheeseburger with fries and Coke. And she said, uh, oh, so you're here visiting? I said, I am. She said, are you thinking about retiring here? And I thought that was kind of funny because I was only 33 at the time, 20 years ago. I said, no, ma'am, I'm, I'm not retirement age, but I wouldn't mind living here. And she said, well, if you are interested, I have a friend I can hook you up with. His name is Chuck. Chuck had been there about 25 years at that point, coming there, I guess, in the 70s, or 80s, rather. And uh, I said, well, let me give Chuck a call. And I talked to Chuck, and let me just say this. He had contacts that was able to expedite a visa for me, and uh, expedite he did. In a week, I had a rentista visa, which gave me the right to come and go and live there for two years. I was like, whoa, I'm liking this. I think I'm moving to Costa Rica. And uh, then I found this real estate agent, and uh, she began to show me places and some of the most beautiful condominiums and homes I've ever seen right there in Escazú, I mean, in Santana, right there in the capital, San Jose. Beautiful places. Oh, beautiful. It's like, this. I don't know how to describe it. I mean, modern uh, design, uh, design. Uh, it was just really cool. And um, I ended up settling on this, uh, renting this condominium up in a place called Altos de las Palomas. The high place of the pigeons, I guess is what you call it. And it's right there, right across from the Alta Hotel. Alta Hotel is a, a castle if you will, hotel built right there, Santana Escazú. If you ever go to Costa Rica, stay there. It's beautiful. Oh, man. You can look it up online, the Alta Hotel. I lived walking distance from there. And then you go up this tall hill and you get up to this guard gate and you look and you've got this vista. On one side, you're looking right into the clouds and you see this green mountain. And then straight ahead, you got a bird's eye view of the, the valley below. It was what an awesome vista. And these mansions. And I'm like, whoa, who lives there? A million dollar mansions up there. I mean, just huge. Spectacular. And they had a big infinity pool up there. And and then on the right side, they had these uh, brand new condos. They were white with terracotta roofs. And, I mean, they were just something like I've seen in pictures over in Greece. So beautiful. I'll put a picture up. I've got some. And uh, I went and looked at a lot of places, but ended up coming back to this one because it was beautiful. What they had is they had this basically two-level condo. It was huge. And the uh, the one on the bottom, they were asking 1000 a month, and the one on the top, 1400 a month. Now, that was a lot of money uh, for me then. And... Um, I was thinking $1,400 a month. I've never paid anything like that in my life. You know, six, $700, you know, for a, for a house or an apartment back in Georgia at that time. Just like double. And uh, I had uh, farted around. Someone else was looking for a place, and they ended up snagging the one that I was ultimately going to take on the bottom level. 
And I went over there and I was like, ah, oh, darn it. Ended up being taken by this couple, and the they were Panamanian, and the husband was the former Panamanian consulate to Costa Rica. So he was in politics, and him and his wife and uh, daughter and a son, I think, ended up becoming the uh, renters of that place, and that was on the bottom level, but then there was uh, a second level, and that was really the one that was grand, and I said, let me take a look at that. And I think they actually wanted more than that. I think they wanted 2000 but what ended up happening is we negotiated and just, hey, uh, I found this lady named Leah DeWitt. I just remember her name. She was a uh, real estate agent and said, let's make an offer. And it was the right timing. God opened the door and I got it for 1400 a month and it was the most spectacular place I've ever lived in. It was a uh, 2-4 condo on top of this other uh, one-level condo. And it had this uh, balcony, long horizontal balcony. You could put a table out there, have breakfast out there in the fresh air, and look down at this most beautiful vista of the valley below. I mean, it was breathtaking. I had friends that would just come up, and they just want to sit in chairs and look out over that. I said, this is just amazing. I set up an office there. Had no furniture for months. I I actually... I actually got my rentista status, locked in this condo, and then I had to take a trip back home to California where I was living in Torrance at the time, and I decided I'm going to pull the trigger there, and my brother was trying to get me to come back down to Atlanta, and I said, man, i got to go to Costa Rica, and I uh, ended up shutting down my apartment where I was a roommate in Torrance with this uh, surfer dude, and uh, sent some of my stuff back to Atlanta, and then basically... I got what I needed in a duffel bag, and it included a blow-up air mattress. I thought, I'm going to need a bed when I get back there. I'm bringing my own bed. I got one of those electric um, air mattresses, you know, it pumps up with a push of a button. I go back to um, Costa Rica, and I move in to this empty condominium. It was huge. And uh, I started doing life there. Ended up hiring the uh, guy named Dennis to be my permanent driver. So I didn't need a car. I just I put uh, Dennis on payroll. I paid him 150 bucks a week plus gas. And he was happy and I was happy and um, lived there and um, went down. They had an office depot of all places. They also have a um, Outback Steakhouse. They have some of those things there in Costa Rica. So I went over to the office depot, got me this uh, real cool computer desk Brought it in. I had my laptop. Um, didn't have, um, at that juncture, a really good internet. And to make phone calls, which is how I made my my living, it was a dollar a minute. Nothing's really changed there, except now it's even more expensive. And that was really before Skype. Uh, Skype wasn't really online like it would be a while later, but we were using back then... Uh, Vonage, another thing called iConnect here, another one called Lingo, VOIP. I was using it 20 years ago, and it was with that I was able to make phone calls. But if I ever use anything on my cell phone, my AT, my you know my T-Mobile, it was a dollar a minute. It was crazy. I would have a thousand dollars a month phone bill still, and uh, I began to build a life there. 
This is 2003. Later on, I'd get some furniture and uh, fix that place up, and uh, I got a royalty check. And it was enough. It was $30,000, I think I remember now. And it was enough. I bought a, a forerunner. I used forerunner over there because you needed that to, to ride around that place. You never know where you might be going, up an island or going down a rocky road. And uh, bought furniture of that place. And they had this, uh, they had Colombian wood. Uh, beds and furniture imported from Colombia and they had put it through this process where they smoke it to kill any uh, weevils termites and it was so beautiful and I began to decorate these bedrooms I had uh, two bedrooms plus plus a uh, a servant's small little quarters there in the very back a lot of people would have servants and so usually they live on site little tiny room and its own bathroom I didn't have one at that time but um, had two nice bedrooms downstairs, uh, big living room, had an office there. The, the back areas I mentioned, deck, not, not a deck, but you know, what do you call that? Terrace, huge. Began to decorate that place, had nice furniture in there, set it up. Um, everybody was about trees, and they had these, um, what do you call this? Uh, place where you can go and buy trees and plants. I forget the name now. Anyway, I bought had, had 23 trees, no joke. Including this massive tree, because as you came in, there was like a crow's nest. I didn't mention that the second level were these steps okay, that would go up to the top to the master suite, and then this had another deck up there, another balcony. And literally, um, you position your bed. When you lay down, you're just looking right into the clouds. It's like you're sleeping in the clouds. It was crazy. It had a jacuzzi, walk-in shower, massive um, massive closet, double sinks. It had a walk-in shower, a bathroom with a bidet, ceramic floor. I mean, this, this thing was beautiful. It was brand new. Nobody ever lived there. And um, I sat up there and began to, um, I would listen to internet radio like Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. Ended up, me and another friend, we got Benjamin Brook, his first interview ever on Coast to Coast with Art Bell, the program that Art Bell said he'd always wanted to do. I helped um, Benjamin relaunched the Day of the Lord reprinting, encouraged him to do that. He did it, but uh, we, we helped him and helped him with some processing orders for a while. But my main job was herbal formulator. And so we had one product at that time, and I was looking for the next one. And um, all during that while, uh, living on the dark side, I was single, divorced, and um, heartbroken. And I had a generational curse which had not been dealt with at that point in time. And familiar spirits pulling on me. And I would go down to the uh, bars in Costa Rica and pick up girls. Okay. If I had continued doing that, I would have died and went to hell. But I had two forces pulling on me. The satanic, and then I had my Christian roots. I knew what I was doing was wrong, but I needed deliverance. I was miserable, lonely, unhappy. 
um, living like a playboy. And um, that went full force for about six months. And through a series of events, uh, God was still working on me. I got a call from my grandmother one day. My grandmother said, son, the Lord told me to call you. He said, pack your bags. You're getting ready to move. And I said, okay, grandmother. And uh, I got to the point where the conviction of God was such that I had to repent. Or I knew I was going to be in some serious trouble. And I won't go into all the details, but I did repent. And didn't go anywhere for two weeks, and then the devil sent somebody in. Uh, A friend called and said, hey, I've got a buddy. His name is Jan. He's from Yugoslavia. He's coming up to Costa Rica. Can he stay with you for a few days? I was just living there by myself, and I said, sure. So I put him in one of the guest bedrooms, and he said, "Uh, hey, I'm here, um, and I'm visiting my second wife. I'm thinking, second wife? Well, it wasn't his wife. It was his girlfriend. He had a girlfriend in multiple places. And he said, uh, I want to take you out to the uh, to a nice restaurant. Well, lo and behold, the restaurant he was taking me out to was a place I've been going to every night. Uh, the Blue Martin, the Del Rey, had a uh, restaurant on one side and then the bar on the other side. And so I was very familiar with that. And devil set me up. And I went back in there and I fell right back in the same trap. Make a long story longer. Uh, it all comes to a head. The business that I'm involved in began to get uh, sued, got into some legal battles over trademarks, and there was a uh, ingredient that we had in our formula, which uh, the uh, which was a pro hormone, which uh, would become an outlawed substance. So we had to change the formula. We had some legal battles, and uh, really, I think. Uh, God in his goodness shut us down so I had uh, given my life back to the Lord and this is uh, 2004 20 years ago just about time frame I'm still there and um, my income stream got cut off because the company that I was partnering with folded and I had to downsize. I could no longer afford my lifestyle there, so I uh, downsized to another house. It was a really nice house. It was about five fifty a month. It had an electric gate, uh, a wall that went around it, as many houses do there. You want to have a wall because uh, crime is high there. And uh, you could park five cars in there. I said, this is great. It's three-bedroom, one-level. I'll be looking for my next project. And it was around that time Derek Prince had died. And I was watching, uh, uh, what's it called? It's the uh, Univision. Not Univision, but Elance. It's it's a Spanish version of basically TBN. One of those type of Christian networks down there. And they would have a lot of English programs on there. You could get Kenneth Copeland was on there. They had uh, a lot of different... uh, Christian pastors and programs you'd recognize. And I just remember it was around the time Benny Hinn died because they had a guy on the show and he had the last picture, not Benny Hinn, uh, Derek Prince, of him uh, in bed with his hand raised and he was praying. He died in Jerusalem at his house. 
And it was about that time I'm seeking the Lord. I said, God, I need a new business. Made money once before in the herbal supplement field. Could do it again. And I began to focus on weight loss. At that time, there was a product called Cortislim, which had made $100 million. There was, of course, Trim Spa with Anna Nicole Smith. Those were the leaders of the pack in the weight loss world. There were programs like Leptopril, Propylene. A lot of commercials going on. 60-second, two-minute spots on TV for weight loss programs. You probably saw them, weight loss products. And I began to look at the ingredients of these, and it was in looking at Trim Spa that I saw an ingredient I'd never seen before called Hootia Gordoni. It was kind of really window dressing. There wasn't much of it in there, but it was part of their proprietary blend. And with a proprietary blend, you really don't have to indicate how much milligrams of each one is in there. You can just have a total milligram dosage under a proprietary blend, and you just list the ingredients. But I call them window dressings because you might have 5 milligrams in there, 2.5 milligrams. Not enough to do anything, but it, it's part of the you know, it's it's part of the this the cell and the appeal to say you've got all these exotic ingredients in there. And uh they had like chromium picolinate, I think that got them in trouble. They had other ingredients in there. And of course they had a signature aluminum can which no one's ever done before or since, which is really cool for the trim spa product. But I saw Hootia Gordoni. And uh I was in there, I I gave my life to the Lord one hundred percent I said, Lord, I'm just going all in, but I need your help. If not, I'm going to be back in America. I was married at the time. I couldn't take her back. And my money's dwindling. Um, And I'm trying to find the next product. So I found this ingredient, Hootie Gordoni. I punched it into Google, and what popped up was an article from the BBC and a guy named Tom Mangold which was doing a write-up on this uh, weight loss supplement that could hold a promise to many that are looking to lose weight and had difficulty doing so. Hootia Gordoni. And I did some research and I said, that's it. I just knew in my gut I need to go with this. So I called a manufacturer that we had worked with on other herbal products before named Vic. And I said, Vic, I've got this ingredient. It's called Hootie Gordoni. Here's what I would like to do. I would like to make the world's largest Hootie Gordoni supplement. And that would be a 750 milligram capsule called a double O. What's your formula? Just Hootie Gordoni. And he kind of laughed. Why? Um, I said, have you heard of Hootie Gordoni? Can you get it? He said, yeah, I've heard of it, but you know, there's really nothing to it. No, it's not popular or anything at that time. Nobody really heard of it. And I pushed him into it. I said, I don't, I don't care. Just do it. He said, okay. Here's your minimum order. It'd take me about six weeks to put it together. I said, let's do it. I sent him a purchase order. And uh, and then I kind of, um, I had that in motion. Then I just kind of, um, I was also working on serapeptase at that point. And uh, I was on the internet and I was listening to a brand new podcast The Edge with Daniel Ott remember episode 1 
and I was had made contact with a guy who knew Al Cuppet, and I began to correspond with Al Cuppet, and I said to Al, Al, I'm a follower of your uh, articles, and uh, remember the Prophecy Club tapes you did? I'd like to build a website for you. So I ended up building uh, Al Cuppet's website, and it was going to be a repository of all the... Um, uh, of all the action reports that he was famous for, and I put them up there. So I was, I was listening to internet radio. I was um, involved in SEO operations at that time. I'd met a guy and a gal the first time I went to Costa Rica at a bed and breakfast. A white-haired guy, California, him and his wife. They were both in real estate, and they were staying at the same B and B. And we had a conversation at breakfast one day. And his name was. Uh, Forrest Geiger. I said, Forrest, what are you doing here? I wanted to know, you know, what what other Americans are doing here? And uh, he said, well, we can live here. We're just, we come up here each month, and uh, we actually live out uh, on an island called Tambor, which is off the coast of Costa Rica, part of Costa Rica, but it's called Tambor. You have to fly in, or you could actually drive in as well, but mainly you'd fly. And, uh, well, what do you do? And he says, well, I have a website, onecostaricanleaks.com. It's like the largest website in the world focusing on hotels and B&Bs for Costa Rica. It's like a tourism feed to these hotels. And uh, turns out he was into optimizing. Google Optimizer, SEO. And he said confidently, I can get any website to the top of Google for whatever search term I want. I have. He basically cracked the code of Google. This is before the Google dance. And they said, "What? Well, how do you optimize? Because we want to get one of our websites at the top of the uh, search engine for organic search, but can't do it. We can buy ads, which we're doing. Google AdWords. And he said, uh, let me take a look at what you're doing. And he made me and the team a proposal. And for 10 grand, he said, I can get you to the top of the search engine organically and in 30 days time he did and uh, that was part of the bonus check I got That uh, I got a call congratulations we're the top of Google for your search engine term organic and this guy um, did SEO with a combination of powerful page ranking that came from backlinks um on-site optimization of keywords and what was the other term? Page weight, which is the number of pages of your website. So he said, you want to optimize well, you want to have just a massive number of pages all optimized by hand on particular keywords you want to come up for and you need to have a lot of uh, backlinks. And at that time he had a a one-page website that had a SEO page rank of Google of I think it was a 7 or an 8. 10 would be perfect. But 7 was like, you know, powerful. This guy did what he said he could do, and we were at number 1 for that search term. Well, we became lifelong friends, and he would invite me out to Tambor. And one time, I went out there to stay with him, and it was uh, this mansion. It was something like out of Fantasy Island right there on the ocean. They had bought lots there 20 years earlier and built this home. And today you can still go over there and you can rent this thing out like a and b It's like, um, it's not cheap. It's like five grand a week. But 
um, or more, and he keeps it booked. His wife went nuts out there. They're so remote, and there's nothing to do, but he was an optimizer, and he liked to drink a beer on the beach, so being a nerd like me, he was you know, content just being on his computer all day and then about sunrise go out on the beach and drink a beer, and he was a happy camper. His wife, on the other hand, was really high-strung, super nice lady named Dell, Dell Geiger, and, um, you know, she basically um, had a maid and and some other, like a groundskeeper and so forth, and kept them busy and fixing lunch and tried to stay busy, but she was going nuts. You know, she was like a socialite, and her only respite is when they would go into town, and ultimately, uh, she was like to her husband, I can't live out here on the beach anymore. This is too remote. Can't do it. I'm going stir-crazy. So they got a condo in town, and they uh, began to rent their place out. And I went out there one time and had Thanksgiving with them. had a great time. And uh, to get back, I think actually I had flown in. Uh, there was some disruption in my bill to get back. And I didn't want to stay over the weekend. So I called into uh, San Jose, Costa Rica to the airport and I had them send a private pilot out and he came out in a brand new Cessna airplane I mean it was crazy Uh, you can do a lot of things if you have enough money at that time I did I was single and the uh, airplane came in for me picked me up there at the Tambor airport I flew back just me and this guy in his captain suit in a little Cessna brand new though just it was really amazing and we're flying out over the ocean. I'm looking down at the aquamarine water and just saying, oh, hope we don't go down out here. <laughs> um, and then, you know, it was an hour or so flight. Bam, lands me right there at the airport. It was $400. That was what it was. I got thinking, man, this is not bad. Private plane, $400. Not 4000 but 400 Not too bad. And uh, I could go out there, you know, anytime. Anyway, dropped me off and then had Dennis pick me up and I was back in in the saddle again in San Jose, Costa Rica. It was a crazy life. It was a fast-paced life. And uh, my world began to come apart. Back to the story, had to downsize. And uh, how did I get off on that subject? I don't know. I'm over there at this place. Oh, yeah, I found this product. And uh, But then I had a bigger concern. That was I'm quickly running out of money. And I can't even afford to stay where I'm at, which is $5.50 a month. So I downsized again. And this is going to be my last hurrah. I found the cheapest place you could possibly live in Costa Rica. A little house, two-bedroom, right there in Santana, Escazoo area. $200 a month. Now you're talking. I said, okay, this is what I'm talking about. And a little house, uh, I went in there with Dennis, and we had to uh, paint it. And uh, it had a gate that went around it. I uh, had to put Constantino wire on it. That's what you do. Uh, you have to put barbed wire because people will come in and uh, a lot of thieves over there. And so I didn't want to be broken into it. Had that happen before. So you put up the Constantino wire. They have these electric uh, gates that run off of garage door openers. It's the craziest thing. Never seen it before or since. You have a remote control that opens up your gate and it's hooked up to a garage door opener like you have one in your garage. We're painting the place. I put in a wall air-conditioned unit. Got me 
put my furniture in there that I had. Got it all set up. I got internet. Had a little TV in my in my office. I could watch CNN. I'm all set up, but I had put the last of my money into it, and I said, I got to get an herbal product going. Well, the, the hoodie was already in, in motion. It would be some while before I could get it. So I was just concentrating on trying to make $100 a day somewhere. And uh, I had a product called Serapeptase, which had been um, pitched to me by Anthony J. Hilder. He told me about this miracle enzyme and uh, decided I was going to go into production on that. And I was working on a couple other stuff. And and uh, just trying to survive. I said, it's do or die at this point in time. I've shot my load of, of savings into trying to fix this little tiny house up to move in. And down, I'm down like $1,000 to my name. And i got to do something quick. And a call comes in, grandmother. Hello, son. Hey, grandmother. Thanks for calling me, she said. Yes, ma'am. Son, the Lord told me to call you. Do you remember that call from before where I told you the Lord said, pack your bags, you're getting ready to move? Yes, ma'am. Well, son, the Lord wanted me to remind you that. And I was in shock. I said, remind me. Well, grandmother, I just moved. I've just literally downsized twice. It had been a call, you know, from six months earlier. And she said, well, son... Lord want me to tell you that and also I saw pills of fire and I was shocked and I said okay grandmother thank you now I wasn't able to move anywhere I had $700 to my name at that point and um, didn't know where I would move if, if I could move and I said God here's the deal I will obey you and I'm willing to go wherever you want me to go, but I have no idea where, and I don't have the resources. If you don't help me, then I'm stuck here. And I was uh, concerned with the pills of fire part. And so I said, God, I need you to speak to me. Is this from you? And I'm watching CNN. And as God is my witness about, it was two or three days after the grandmother called me, I'm watching the CNN news and there's a report of two volcanoes that had lit up. One in Tolima, Mexico and the other I always forget this, it was either Mount St. Helens, I think it was or Mount Rainier, had started to uh, go active again. It was shooting off steam. Time frame on this, we're talking September 2004. I can look it up and I'll get the exact date, but I said, oh God, the pills of fire. And I immediately knew what that meant. And there were two active volcanoes that I was aware of within the vicinity of me there in San Jose area. One of them, uh, Tabacon. You can go out to this uh, Hot Springs Hotel resort that's at the base of this active volcano. And at night, when it's dark, you can see red molten lava sometimes oozing out of the top. And they had 12 different hot springs there that you could experience, depending on how hot you like your water. Well, I just knew this, that if this thing ever went off, I was in trouble. I began to do some research and found this 
report by a seismologist out at uh, University of California, somewhere like that, UCLA. He said, because of the positioning of Costa Rica and it, its part in the Ring of Fire, he predicts that there's a time coming in the future where the volcanoes will go off and it will cover the whole central valley there where we lived, in San Jose area, in a hundred foot of ash. Worse than Pompeii. I said, you, you got my attention, God. Now I know i got to get out of here. God's about to save me from getting turned into Pompeii toast. Where am I going to go? And then it occurred to me, there is a place I could go. The only place to go would be at that point was Columbia. And the only safe place to go is Cartagena. Because the FARC were still operating then. And if I had went anywhere else, Bogota, Medellin, wherever, uh, I was subject to being kidnapped by the FARC and taken to the Monte, to the mountain. And they would hold you there until someone ransomed you. And there was micro-napping back then. They would kidnap you for as little as $10,000. So being a white gringo, stick out like a sore thumb, I did not want to be kidnapped and taken away to the mountains of Columbia. But I heard you could go to Cartagena, which had a naval seaport there, and they had a naval base station there. and It's like a Bali, really, except uh, uh, I don't have to worry about being kidnapped here in Indonesia. Over there, though, yes. But Cartagena was safe. And that was an experience. So I thought, okay, I'll go to Cartagena. Only place to go right now, based on the circumstances. But I still got to get money to get there. So I thought, well, what am I going to do? I, I could sell my four-wheel drive, four-runner. I've got about $10,000 of American furniture. Who's going to buy that? I'm living over here in Costa Rica. The average person ain't going to buy that. I've got a couple side. I've got a, a Glock, 9, a nine, Glock 19 9 millimeter and a 12-gauge shotgun never fired. I could sell those, so that's where I started. I went back down to San Jose to the gun shop that I had bought these guns. Costa Rica was cool. As an American or foreigner, you could you could own guns under a corporation, and then later, I had a concealed weapons permit, so I had both. I could buy whatever I wanted. You could even buy sawed-off shotguns over there. Interesting, though, you couldn't buy AR-15s. It was single shots, or any kind of pistol you wanted, or you could buy a sawed-off shotgun, which was kind of interesting. Um, 12 gauge etc so I had both a handgun and a 12 gauge uh, to protect me against a home invasion and we did have those over there everywhere I went I carried my uh, my Glock usually uh, in my waist behind my shirt with an extra belt kind of acting like a gun belt I didn't have the proper hardware but I was locked and loaded so what happened is I went over to the gun store and I said I'd like to sell my pistol and shotgun. What for? I said, I'm moving. He said, where are you going? I said, well, I don't. I think I'm going to go to Cartagena, but I explained what had happened and I said, I think an uh, imminent volcanic eruption is coming. He said, uh, that's interesting. He looked, looked at me for a moment as if he was remembering back in time and he said, you know, as a kid back around 64 or so, my family and I lived here, and that was when JFK had went over there to give a speech in San Jose. And the very day that JFK gave a speech, the volcano lit up and was shooting ash. And uh, that area of San Jose was getting blanketed with uh, volcanic ash, like fallout. His family freaked out, and they immediately uprooted. And he said, we went 
and left immediately and went over to Spain. And we were there for a while. Eventually came back. So it wasn't out of the realm of possibility that there could be a, a volcanic eruption at some point in time. Well, he gave me cash for that, and I gave me a little bit of cash, but I thought, man, to make a move, I'm going to need to sell everything. And I stepped out in faith, put an ad in the paper, and in 72 hours, I had everything sold, including the forerunner, and I had some friends that were also trying to move for other reasons. The only thing remaining was them, was they needed to sell the car, and mine sold in three days. They'd had theirs out there for weeks for sale. And God used a drug dealer named Chucky. He was a Costa Rican man, as I was told, who was a drug dealer. Uh, he had red curly hair. His name was Chucky. Kind of a heavy set Tico. And he came in, and he was the one head cash. And he paid cash and got my forerunner and uh, a really nice um, handmade wooden table with chairs. And it was it was so well done that you could actually st- set, set a wet glass on it and it would not stain it. It had that kind of level of coating on it. It was just beautiful. I loved wood. I had wood wood everything. Had to sell it all. I think the last thing for me to sell was my washing dryer. Someone came and got that and literally I'm pretty much sitting in an empty house. I had $14,000 in cash. I got on a plane. I found a, a hotel that was $13 a day and now I know why. It was on Skid Row, if you will, Ground Zero, Calle Uno, where they had cheap hotels, hookers, uh, drug dealers, and everything else. And um, I got there, and as soon as I got in the air, I felt the burden lift. I've obeyed God, and I've escaped Sodom and Gomorrah. Flew, got to Cartagena, and how did I get off on the story? I don't even know now. I better stop there. Or maybe go a little bit longer. I've only got 17 minutes to our next show. That that was the adventure. The adventure began. Got to this hotel and I almost cried. I said, oh God. It wasn't even really a hotel. There were some rooms there and right off, right outside the door was the lobby and there were some strange looking guys there. And I said, I'm getting the hell out of here. And depressed and thankfully found a, uh, right around the corner, a, a, a bigger hotel. It was it was still cheap though. I think the first place was only seven dollars a month, uh, seven dollars a night. Found one for thirteen dollars a night. That's right, and it was nice, clean. It looked new. Only problem is it had no air conditioning, so I just had to settle with that. It was so hot down there in Cartagena, you would literally sweat in the shower if you didn't have air conditioning. I remember taking a shower and I'm sweating in the shower as I'm taking a shower. The saving grace was at night you put on a uh, a fan and. Uh, hopefully cool off but you could walk out your door go to a little restaurant have a Colombian breakfast got in a taxi and started driving around Cartagena went by the mall and I saw a movie theater next thing you know I felt uh, perked up a little bit well I have, maybe I haven't moved to the boondocks but I am in a country now sits in South America right at the top bordering uh, Venezuela English is not spoken as a rule down there uh, they speak Spanish. And gracias a Dios, yo hablé un poco español. Suficiente per vivir. So, I had enough survival Spanish. I was okay. And uh, did what I'd done before. Found a real estate agent. Began to look around. And problem with uh, that time of year, it was now October. 
is that's the high season. And what that means is when you live in a beach town, and that there really are only two beaches in Columbia people go to, either Cartagena or the island of San Andreas. They really don't have any other beaches. And in uh, Indonesia, a country of 17,000 islands, really where people go to is Bali. It's kind of funny. I didn't know I'd end up in Bali, but it's, it is like a Cartagena to me in some ways. Um, just more coffee shops over here. But in Cartagena, uh, it was a beach city. Every block there was a, um, a naval soldier with a 308 battle rifle in full fatigues, green uniform. And I'm like, what is this? What's all the heavy security? Well, it was because of the FARC. And because there was a lot of money made in tourism, and the government didn't want to screw that up with kidnappings and violence. So every block, literally, there was a soldier there. Kind of creepy at first, but then kind of felt good knowing that it was a safe haven. There were FARC there, but there was only one way out of the island. And uh, I think you could also go over there into, what was the name of the other city? I forget right now. Um, Juliet Hooker is from that area. She lived right next door to where I was at. For those who know Juliet. Uh, I didn't know her at the time, but anyway. Um, found this house. After looking much, and nobody wanted to rent their houses out or apartments for longer than a month or two. And I'm like, a month or two? They said, yeah, Christmas is coming up, and that's when we make our money. And what people would do is they would actually leave their homes their apartments, condos, and, and go to the uh, go into the villages where they had, you know, family back there in the country and live, and they'd rent their places out and make, you know, hundreds of dollars a day even. No wonder. You can make all kinds of money renting your place out. I would move too. And they would rent them out to people coming in, you know, students, party goers, people that, you know, wanted, it was like an Airbnb, if you will, before Airbnb took off. It made it really hard. Well, I was about get desperate now. There were some options, but I chanced, uh, I was blessed to find this house over in a place called Boca Grande. And it was really, it turns out to be the nicest part of town. Uh, it was only a couple blocks from the beach. You could walk to the beach. Right down the road was the uh, the, pre- um, the president of Columbia had a, had a home, interestingly enough. And it was, it was a nice area. And it was uh, it was affordable, as price goes. Uh, there was this huge house built back in probably the '60s. It was massive. I've never seen anything so big. And it was actually two levels, and the lady had two entrances, so you could rent the top part of the bottom. The top was already rented by uh, this mother and her kids, but the downstairs level was available, and it was massive. And it had a little commercial office on the side that she was renting separately. I cut a deal and got them both. And I think I got them for $700 total. Problem is you got to pay six months in advance. I'm like, six months in advance? And she said, yeah, unless you've got references down here. They don't do month to month. Well, I was shocked when I moved to Bali. Bali wants two to three years in advance. I'm like, two years of rent in advance? You've got to be smoking dope. Who does that? Well, they do it over here. And we were able to negotiate, but had to pay one year in advance. And that's what typically you got to do over here. There are some exceptions to it now. But by and large, that's what people are looking for. They want to get paid and lock your rent in for two to three years or more. 
There's people that rent places and for 20 or 30 years and have to pay up front. I mean, it's nuts. Well, when you get people that are willing to do that, then everybody expects it. So I have friends that go month to month. Don't get me wrong, but um, that's what we had to do when we came over here too. But we, Well, they were doing that then in 2004. It's 2004, October. I'm on the ground in Cartagena. Find this house. It's massive. It has a commercial office with its own entrance right next door. It was just a small office with a bathroom. I thought, this is cool. I'll set, set up my office here, get internet piped in. Internet sucked, but it was enough. Skype just came online at that time. Uh, I had also had a Vonage phone that I'd brought over. I think it was Vonage. And uh, I could make phone calls to the States. And I was uh, had a little bit of cash in my pocket for myself, my goods back in Costa Rica. But I knew that I was in trouble. I got to pay six months in advance, and I have no furniture here. And, you know, you got a washer and dryer. You want to get a bed, a TV, whatever you're going to get. You go through your money pretty quick. And uh, when it was all said and done, and I paid everything that had to be paid, I had enough to live on for 90 days. And I'm like, oh, God. How am I going to do this? I said, i got to quickly find a, uh, a new product. I need to make $100 a day. I could survive over here. And uh, I ended up calling Anthony J. Hilder. And I said, Anthony, you want to do a joint product? I need some cash to put in the first production run. We'll go 50-50 partners. And we did on Serapeptase. And we launched Serapeptase. And I built a, uh, a website in HTML called davisbiotech.com I, I had set up a little company called Davis Biotech Research Labs and I had Desert Burn was going to be the name of the Hootia product it was still being produced and uh, I hook up in this house this house was had a massive front it, it, was, it was set up like this never seen anything like this before the ceilings were open ceilings in various rooms and instead of just your ceiling, your concrete ceiling, it had cross beams. You can look out into the, the daylight. And underneath it was a garden. So you had three gardens in this house. You walk into the front door, and there's a little garden. And what was weird was in the garden they had a swinging hammock. And you look straight up, and it, when it would rain, it would rain into your house. It would just go right through the concrete beams, and it would water the little garden there. The coolest thing I've ever seen come around there and uh, they had these um, windows that were made out of wood and glass and so it was so hot I had to open those things up to let air blow in and it had this massive living room another massive garden go down the hall past the kitchen uh, there's one bedroom another garden with a hammock I mean I'm, I'm not joking you I've never seen anything like this walk down the hall and then a massive uh, another bedroom and then a massive uh, main bedroom and huge huge walk-in um, showers and a huge backyard all for $700 a month then a long driveway where you could park 10 cars I mean that was just the bottom level never got to see what was on top but and a huge water tank in the back. So there would be frequent internet outages. Sometimes the water could cut off, so if that happened, it happened once or twice, you just turn a little valve, and now the water is coming in from this big water tank on the 
the roof. We have them over here too. In fact, your hot water heaters over here primarily are these stainless steel or aluminum water tanks that sit up on the top of your house. The sun hits them, and there's a water pump that pumps water in from a well into that. It heats up, and then when you turn on the shower, you're getting warm water. Otherwise, you're getting a cold shower if it's been a cloudy day. You can buy a hot water heater tank, but a lot of people, that's all they have. Uh, dryers are pretty much non-existent here, unless you go to a commercial place where they'll you pay to get your stuff washed and dried. Most people just use uh, the old-timey way, you know, put things out on the clothesline. Different world in the, in the as you get outside America. Simpler in a lot of ways. But this was this uh, house, and uh, it had a problem, though. I noticed some noises out in the bushes. Turns out there was rats that lived out there. Everywhere I went, they've had some kind of plague. Over there was rats. And uh, I then realized also that there were some missing screens <laughs> over some of the... Uh, they were broken over some of those uh, entryways into the um, on the roof. And we ended up getting those patched. But before I did, I'm sitting in my office one day and a rat came right through the door, squeezed in under, underneath it. So we had to go get rat bait and kill the rats. And then I saw one day out of the corner of my eye a huge dinosaur-like creature. It was actually a huge green iguana, just moving, trudging so slow. Where the hell did it come? It dropped right through the roof. And I had a Bazinji dog named Tarzan. Now I have one called Ringo. But the first one, Tarzan, and he saw it, and he took off, and that you should have seen that iguana run. It disappeared. I don't know where it went, but grease lightning. Um, we had rats and in uh, Cartagena. Costa Rica, there was the um, scorpion, and thank God I never ran into the fair to lot snakes. There were snakes within about a, a, a mile of anywhere at that at you lived there that could kill you. But we, we actually grappled with uh, scorpions, had one in the bed one day. Um, also flies. Um Panama, there were cockroaches. You had to be careful. And we kept a clean apartment, but sometimes you'd find them. They would climb up from another apartment. That's kind of gross, but that's true. Um, and uh, Indonesia, I've I've come across a speckled baby cobra. They have king cobras and spitting cobras here, although I don't want to run into any of them. Uh, Mosquito City. We used to have mosquito Armageddon. I would kill 30 mosquitoes every day. Um, ants. We, st- we continue to contend with the ants, not so much the mosquitoes. And thank God I haven't seen any more snakes. But uh, there were also some woodcutter ants I ran into in uh, Costa Rica. Huge. Big thing, though, was a scorpion. Scorpions, rats, flies, cockroaches. They're big water bug cockroaches here. Uh, they want to get inside your house. We have, a, a course, lizards galore. There's lizards in the house as we speak, creeping along. I try to catch them because I like to come out at night and get on any food, and I hear them in the garbage can. Sometimes I capture them. Uh, ants, though, is really our plague right now. And uh, they just, you know, they come out for any food left on the ground and or uh, your drink. Uh, you got a, you got a, a cup of iced tea or on your desk that the ants will find it. 
Uh, but I'm there, and I don't have time to get to the story. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do now? And I got depressed. I'm further into the interior than I've ever been before. They don't even speak English here. Uh, I've got about 90 days of lifeblood left. God, I need a miracle. And I was depressed one day, and I took a walk at nighttime. Just walked out of my door, walked down, decided to go to the beach. I was so depressed, I knew I could have probably been kidnapped, potentially, or, you know, mugged. But I walked along this sidewalk that went along the elliptical arc along the beach here in Cartagena. And you could see the city in the distance, the moonlight, and there was the ocean. And I just thought, if someone tried to jack me, I'd just jump in the ocean, take my chances with the sharks. (laughs) And I went out there just praying, saying, God, I need a miracle. I, I did what you said, but I must have missed you somewhere. I don't know what I'm going to do for income. And uh, as I'm walking back in, I decided to go to bed. I was depressed. I decided to check my email, and that was the miracle that happened. I had an email from Tim McKay. He said, are you watching CBS 60 Minutes? They're talking about that product called Hootie that you mentioned. Now, I didn't have CBS 60 Minutes on my cable, but I knew what that meant. And I went over to Google Ads, AdWords, and I, I ran an ad for Hootia. It was $3 a click. And I never forget it. Within minutes of that debut of that CBS 60 Minutes special. You can watch it. It was from November 21, 2004. Orders began to come in. And I had this sound effect uh, along with Yahoo Instant Messenger that would be triggered every time an email came into a particular account. And it sounded like a cha-ching, 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 cha-ching from a, um, a slot machine. And every time an email came in of an order, it would go cha-ching. As God is my witness, I'm sitting there, and within moments, cha-ching, 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 ching 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 It didn't stop. It went on for hours. 300 orders came in. There was about $50,000 in sales generated. And my birthday was the next day, November 22nd, 2004. I didn't even stop to eat and celebrate. We had so many orders coming in. And I had to put, uh, please allow, four to six weeks for shipping. <laughs> I didn't even have product in. And I called Vic. I said, Vic, you hear the news? And he had heard it. I need that product. And literally, God launched a business. Uh, as part of a word that he had given me a year prior, I will go before thee and be thy defense, and you shall have plenty of silver. Job twenty two twenty five. That business would run for another four years. And we became one of the top uh, sellers of Hootie Gordoni in the USA and was on the top of the search engines for years. Spent $2 million with Google for advertising. And all they sent me was like a, a little calendar for as a thank you. They give me no love. And um, that would open the door for going to Panama. And God would then bring us back to America. And then we would have the crash of 2008. And then my business would go start dying as many people's businesses died. And I ended up back in Costa Rica only to be called back again the second time. God said, pack your bags and come back. And three months later, a Mega Man radio launched. That was 2010, June 22nd, a fulfillment of a prophetic word. 
and uh, commissioned by Yahovah to speak his word. We launched the program. That was 13 years ago yesterday. By the grace of God, we've done 10,300 shows. And um, I'm asking again, God, give me a fresh herbal supplement idea. Now, the Lord told me not to do anything this year. But I'm going back for review and see if he will allow me to do it. I want to just double check. And if so, I want to try to launch something. If not, i got to wait. But we want to um, move forward. It's going to take uh, money that we do not have currently. We're going to need a war chest to do what I want to do. We want to go back to TV. We want to fund deliverance conferences. We want to expand. And um, some change is coming. I feel it in my guts. I just got notification today that my U.S. passport has been renewed. And I can come pick it up next week. We've almost got everybody's paperwork in order. If God wants us to move, we're going to move. He did tell me to move. We're either moving to another place this island or he may move us to another country. I just don't know what he has in store yet. We've got to pray and seek the Lord. But I feel a move is coming. Uh, I feel something a new exciting chapter is about to unfold. Um, we live day to day by faith. And I said, God, I've got to bring in some money. I've got to or I've got to go back to work uh, with a secular job. What do you want me to do? He hasn't released me from this program. So uh, I'm hoping and praying that he's going to allow me to start another entrepreneurial pursuit. And we've been on some adventures. Uh, There's no denying that. Made some good decisions, some bad decisions from time to time, but God is good and uh, we're still here and I'm ready to work. Work for the Lord and ready to make some money again and uh, fuel some things we would like to do. So be in prayer for us. I have a potential money-making idea if I can get a supply for it, and the Lord will release me to do it. I don't know yet, uh, but I'm putting some fillers out there. I'm knocking on the doors and seeing what God wants us to do. But I'm excited, uh, and that's where you want to be. You don't want to be laying down like uh, I was a year ago. The leper said to the leper, why sit here till we die? <laughs> Having dug up that accursed object in the front yard, hit with something that was the worst chest infection I've ever battled, coughing up something black. I said, where the hell is this coming from? I don't smoke. And um, ready just to throw in the towel. And then God resurrected me and we went four months straight, seven days a week. Pushed through to January, hit that 10,000 mark and here we are already at June. I'm just blown away where time is going. I don't know what's next. None of us know. Will it be World War III? Will it be the nukes? Will God give us more time? Only God knows, but I do know he's the one that knows, and apart from him, we can't do anything. So sharing a little bit of the adventure, which has been my life, and uh, I'm hoping for more. Uh, With that, we're going to save this program. We'll be right back. 